This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own self work. Hello, and welcome to Self Work. I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. I'm a clinical psychologist, and I practice in Fayetteville, Arkansas. I've been doing that for over 20 years. I'm so glad you've joined me. If you're a newcomer or someone who's been listening in, I really appreciate you being here. Today, we're going to be talking about FOMO, which is the fear of missing out. We're going to talk about what exactly that is, how it's been influenced by social media and the recent research on it. I'm going to have lots of quotes from people who actually experience FOMO, and maybe they'll sound a lot like you. Who knows? Then, of course, I always want to talk about what you can do about it. So we're going to talk about five things that you can try. And our listener email today is from someone in her early 20s who's concerned about how her mental problems, she's having some depression and anxiety, how those things are affecting what she called her potential. I thought that would be an interesting topic. Before we get started talking about FOMO, I want to thank so many of you who took my suggestion a couple of episodes ago and have gotten in touch with me to let me know who you are. The interesting thing about podcasting I'm finding is that I really can't tell anything about who my listeners are through the analytics I have available to me, except where you're from. I'm still waiting for someone in Wyoming, by the way, (laughs) to listen in. So if you have a friend in Wyoming, would you let them know about self-work? Otherwise, all the other states and many other countries are part of my listening audience, which I'm absolutely delighted about. But I kind of wanted to know a little bit more about who you were. I got emails from a 22-year-old young mother, a 39-year-old student, a 52-year-old man who lives here in the area. So it was really helpful to hear from you. And if any of you have the time to do that, I would so appreciate it. My email is askdrmargaret at drmargaretrutherford.com. And my cell phone is 479-841-7069. It gives me ideas for topics that might be helpful to people. And in fact, is one of the reasons why today I chose FOMO. So thanks, and I'll hope to hear from you. So what exactly is FOMO, or the fear of missing out? It's a recent acronym. It's even got its own Oxford Dictionary definition now. It describes a heightened anxiety when you believe that you're missing the action. Your life isn't as great as someone else's, or you're not in the know about what's going on. I always know when I have a patient that may struggle with it because they bring in their cell phone and they cannot help themselves from looking at the notifications. They'll look at me and say, well, you know, it might be my kids, and of course it might be, but at the same time, I can tell that they are somewhat obsessed with what's going on with the information they're getting from their cell phone. Now, adult millennials, or echo boomers, as they're called, because they're the kids of baby boomers, adults between the ages of 18 and 34, are the most influenced. They've grown up with it. They create hashtags. So they are the ones that a lot of the research is targeting. However, I want to point out that FOMO has been around for a while. It was called Keeping Up with the Joneses, I think. But I found this interesting article 
that gives us quotes from certain people. This is a woman named Bianca Bosker, who is an editor at the Huffington Post, and she says, FOMO is the sometimes energizing, sometimes terrifying anxiety that you are missing out on something absolutely terrific. It could be a TV show. It could be a party. It could be a gadget. It could be that really good burrito from the food cart. The important thing to keep in mind with FOMO is that it's not just a state of mind. It's also a physical reaction. So as a FOMO sufferer, I can report sweating, itching, pacing, and compulsive refreshing of my Twitter feed. And Mark Smith, who's a sociologist and social scientist, points out, those who used to dine behind thick stone walls and had caviar now do so, tweet about it, and can be seen by those sitting down to dine at Chipotle. So basically, because of social media, what was private has become public. What you might never have realized becomes more transparent. And idealized versions of other people's lives can morph into some kind of new measuring stick for our own happiness and security. And as Bianca Bosker pointed out, you actually can experience the same physical symptoms and behaviors with which addicts and those with compulsive behaviors are plagued. You're obsessed, you have to know, and you can't calm yourself. That's what's important. This isn't something that you just take a big breath and you get over. You are ruminating about it and thinking about it all the time. Another study that I found, and the links to both of these studies will be in the show notes. This one was from Psychology Today, and it was out of Ireland, actually. The results showed that the participants of this study on FOMO included increased feelings of being singled out, increased dishonesty in the portrayal of one's self-image. I think that's really fascinating because, of course, you can actually create a whole false life or a whole false being on social media. And so perhaps people are actually not telling the truth as much about who they really are or what their lives are like. Increased feelings of personal inadequacy, increased feelings of loneliness, those are two pretty easy to understand, increased unfair judgments of others, increased dissatisfaction with one's life, increased detachment from family and friends, and jealousy in relation to the lives of others. None of those are obviously things that are pleasant to feel or that we want to create in our lives, at least to isolation, loneliness. And I think it was interesting that they said an increased unfair judgment of others. What I've seen in my practice is that people will begin to think that people are intentionally trying to hurt them or leave them out. In fact, what I did was I pulled out of my memory, really, some statements that some of my own patients have made about fear of missing out or FOMO. I can see from her Snapchat that she went out with all of our friends yeah, I ended the friendship with her, but I still feel left out. I felt good about coming home for the weekend and just hanging out until I saw my ex-girlfriend's selfie at the beach. And here's another. I start looking around my house trying to find something to put on Instagram that will make my life look special. That's really sad, isn't it? And the last, I text my friends constantly and am so afraid when they don't text back that they're having fun with other people and they don't want me to know. Now, again, I want to point out that social media isn't necessarily the entire reason for this. Insecurity, worry, constant comparison, those have been well-entrenched emotional problems for quite some time. 
but perhaps the comparisons can be greater in number or more powerful because the visual nature of Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, keeping your focus on your own life and your own aspirations, perhaps is getting to be a much bigger issue. Now, your thinking rational self knows this. You know that your friends love you. You know that not everything is as it appears. We know that bad stuff happens to everyone and good stuff happens to everyone. That's your more rational thinking self. So what are we supposed to do? Stay off social media? And there are people who do that. They decide that they are spending way too much time tuning into what's going on in other people's lives and not paying enough attention to their own. As a psychologist, where I go with my concern is if they are being besieged by fear or insecurity. That can really ruin and sabotage your own life. So even though you see the picture of the beautiful sunset and the rational part of you realizes that maybe the water that day was filled with jellyfish or you see a picture of a party and then you imagine what a great time everybody had, but actually what happened was that there was a a big fight or someone got sick. I mean, that's what real life is like, right? But we don't take pictures of those things. So how do we calm ourselves How do we decide, okay, if I'm going to be involved in social media, if I'm going to check Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat, how do I keep all of this in balance? There are five things that I've come up with as potential ideas. The first is to imagine the worst case scenario. So what would I do if the worst thing I can imagine is actually true? For example, what if my friends are meeting or having a good time and for some reason I wasn't invited? Usually, you can come up with an answer for that question. What do I do? I'd reach out to my friends. Maybe I'd realize I hadn't been a very good friend lately. Maybe I'd decide they were planning my birthday party. (laughs) But you'd find ways to calm your anxiety. Isolation is probably not the greatest idea, but to reach out and get more information. If someone is irritated with you or angry with you, then trying to resolve that conflict would be a great direction to go. The second suggestion is to reveal yourself to someone and to find out what they struggle with. I can assure you, you're not the only one who's worried about this kind of thing. So admitting, I don't know why when you don't text me back, I get worried that I don't matter to you anymore, and I kind of feel embarrassed about it. But what will likely come back is reassurance and an admission of that person being too caught up in her own life to text back, My son, for example, never texts back. He's a terrible texter. (laughs) And that's just him. If I take it personally, whoa, I'm in trouble. (laughs) The next technique is a very common cognitive behavioral technique. You block the irrational and you replace with rational. What that means is if you have a thought about, I'm never going to be called again, or there must be something going on in the world that's incredibly exciting and I'm missing out, do some writing about it, identify what you're telling yourself that's obviously not rational. It's actually pretty rational to think there probably is something going on in the world that's really exciting, but the rational replacement would be, and I can't be everywhere. I can only be where I am, right? So you write down a replacement of that thought, one that is more rational. Now, you may need a little help with this at first, because if you're actually very afraid that can make the irrational feel normal. But the replacement is really the most important part of that because that gives you something else 
to focus on. This fourth one, in some ways, I think is probably the most important. It's do active work on your own identity and goals. Rather than being so focused on other people, ask yourself the question, what do I want my life to look like in three months, in six months, in a year? Is there an area of my life I want to explore more, my spirituality or my physical being? Where am I going? What kind of sense of direction do I have in my life? And if you can answer those questions, and in fact, I think it's a really great exercise to sit down and write those goals for yourself, then you'll have an idea of what's important to include in your life at this point. And you can better hear what's going on in others' lives without beginning to doubt yourself. You know where you're going. I used to be a jingle singer. I sang commercials on radio and television. I can remember distinctly once. It was a group who didn't usually sing together, and we were all standing there and waiting for the producer or something. And someone began talking about the jingle that he had last sung on. And it was kind of a big deal. It was, I don't know, more of a national jingle. Well, everyone started piping up about the last jingle they'd been singing. And it was funny because I had actually sung with one of the other singers on a jingle, and she piped up and said that's what she'd been recently doing, and I knew that we had sung that jingle over a year ago. So we can be so competitive and feel like we have to have something to say when we hear that other people are busy and active doing things that we also want to do or that we would love to do. But knowing yourself, being confident in what you're doing and what you're creating in a very positive way, is where you can calm yourself. To be fair, in that situation, I probably made up something myself, but (laughs) I'm certainly not uh, immune to all of this either. It certainly wasn't back then. The last suggestion is try not to be paralyzed by having to make the right choice. I watch people do this all the time. They feel like they've got to know that their next step is right. And what I've observed is you can't really know if it's right until you live it. How would you define a right choice? Well, if a year from now, five years from now, I thought it was a great choice. Well, you can't know that in the present. You can weigh your options carefully, and you can think you have a pretty good idea that it's going to work. If it doesn't work out to be what you thought perhaps it would be, you'll learn from that, and you'll change along the way. That very process will help you make a better, more mature choice next time. But you can be paralyzed and search out in other people's lives, well, what did he or she do, rather than looking for your own counsel in yourself. So if you're dealing with FOMO, you can certainly turn off social media. You can stop Snapchatting. You cannot look on Instagram. But you could also use these five techniques to try to calm yourself and keep yourself in the present moment. Again, to recap, imagine the worst case scenario and what you do about it. Reveal your insecurities to someone that you trust. They'll probably have their own, and that makes you feel better. You block the irrational thoughts and replace with rational ones. You do active work on your own identity and goals. And then realize that you'll learn along the way. You don't have to make the completely right choice all the time. You can get paralyzed by that. Good luck. Here's one of those emails that I was talking about at the beginning of the podcast that I received just within the last week. 
She gives her name and says, I've been enjoying listening to your podcasts. I'm 23 and I'm about to graduate from college. I've also been married for two years. I decided to search for a podcast two weeks ago to help with some of the depression and anxiety I have been feeling. I turned to your podcasts because therapy would be a financial burden right now. Once I have a job, I'm ready to go out and get past the things that stump my true potential. I've enjoyed your podcast on facing change, perfectly hidden depression, and how to be an emotional grown-up. Thank you. I answered her by thanking her for being a listener and giving me some feedback about who she is. But I also wanted to expound a little bit here on the podcast. You know, mental health problems typically do emerge from the years of 18 to 25. They can, of course, emerge before that or after that. But the great bulk of depression and anxiety do emerge in those years. So here she is. She's graduating from college. She's just gotten married. She's going to have a new job. All those stressors, they're positive things, but they're also stressful. And what may be happening is that she has some sort of genetic predisposition for depression or anxiety and that she's beginning to deal with that. And of course, that can be frightening and you don't quite realize what's going on. So recognizing that early Talking to your family doctor, your OBGYN, or certainly a therapist is an important step to getting help. I often hear the idea that money is a problem in seeking therapy, and I certainly understand that. But for example, I volunteer at a free health clinic here locally. There are free health clinics. There are sliding fee scale clinics. There's help over the internet with depression and anxiety inventories where you could at least assess where you might stand in the spectrum. And then a simple trip to a therapist or your family doctor can do a lot to address early problems and catch them before they begin to develop into much larger issues. I simply wanted to stress that just because you're younger doesn't mean that these problems can't emerge. In fact, you're more likely to have them emerge than when you're older. I want to thank you for joining Self-Work today. I've already given my email, but I'll give it again because that's probably the best way to reach out to me. It's AskDrMargaret at DrMargaretRutherford.com. I'm on Twitter at Dr. Underscore Margaret. And I have a website where I blog weekly. It's DrMargaretRutherford.com. I also have a Facebook page where I post different things that are interesting to me, my own posts, all that kind of thing. And I'd love for you to be a follower there. Another very much appreciated way of giving me feedback is to give me a rating or a review, especially a review on iTunes. Several of you have done that, and I so appreciate it. It's really pretty easy. So if you've got a couple of minutes, that would be so appreciated. And of course, subscribe. My subscriptions are growing, and that gives me motivation to keep doing this. (laughs) I'm really enjoying it, but it's always nice to have a little motivation. I do also want to let you know that I have just published a little gift book. It's called Marriage is Not for Chickens. It's a five-minute read. It's really meant to be a gift for engagements, anniversaries, just to let your spouse know that you really care about them. It's $9.95, and I'd love for you to pick up a copy. I've never sold anything before, so this is a little weird for me, but (laughs) I had to charge something for it. It took us two years to put together. I think it's a beautiful little book. So 
Check it out when you can. I'm Dr. Margaret, and you've been listening to Self Work.